We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. to pod maverick presents kirk your enthusiasm i am kirk henderson editor-in-chief over at mavs moneyball and i am joined today and i'm very delighted by this by logan thompson who's one of our contributors and one of our big draft aficionados and we are really excited to talk about all of the possibilities of this upcoming draft but we'll see uh what you know obviously we'll have a lot more clarity on tuesday and jordan or logan how you doing today I'm good. How are you, Kirk? You know, not bad. It's a it's a nice uh, it's a nice day here in Texas, all things considered. I think it's just going to be rainy and weird all weekend. The Suns um, lost. That was fun. Mm. The playoffs were kind of concerning. Like the Lakers were doing good. There's a lot of stuff I wasn't liking to, that I was seeing, but it's starting to even out. I'm I'm on the Nuggets train, and like mm. Booker kind of going down a little bit. The things are going okay. I, I agree. I agree with that. That was a pleasant surprise uh, to see Devin Booker shoot and, and his past two. Um, what do you want to call it? The the games where the Nuggets were closed out, he shot seven for twenty seven, which is really remarkable when you look at his games three and four at home when he was shooting like a billion percent. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen anything like yeah. that. It's like somebody. I, my favorite thing about Booker is how he he really seems to like to model his game off of Kobe. Well, you know, Kobe missed. <laughs> like yeah. Booker's like such a like a mid-range assassin. But um, you know, with with the draft coming up for these or with the draft lottery coming up for these Mavericks, part of why we wanted to get you on beforehand is so we could really kind of talk about the pie in the sky guys before that goes out the window because the the, the Mavericks have an 80% likelihood of staying at 10, a 20% likelihood of falling out, a 3% likelihood of jumping to number 1 and then something like I want to say it's like 13% to jump into the top 4. I just looked and it's 14. 14. And I think it's like 3, 3.3, 3.7, 4% of like one, two, three, and four, and it adds up to 14%. Right. And it's it's really it's one of these things where I hate doing this kind of math, but it's also one of these things where it's just a high enough percentage where yeah. I think we have to justify, <laughs> you know, hoping for some of these guys and talking about them in the context of the Dallas Mavericks. And so I think however we decided we were going to structure this is talk about some of the top five, top five, top six guys first, and then we'll pivot to who we think might be available at 10. And look, listen, guys, understand this. We know that the Mavericks are probably going to trade the pick if they stay at 10. But I don't want to talk about that shit yet. I want to, I love I love draft stuff because it's all it's projection in a pure way. Like I find free agency projection to be really toxic because it's all bullshit. This is still like we still have a technical chance. So I really wanna really wanna talk about guys. So who would you like to start with in, in these the, the the top five or six prospects in your eyes? 
Um, I mean, I guess Wimby is like it's he almost is like not talked about enough now because he's been talked about so much for basically like two full years to where there's like only so many interesting things you can say. And like the Mavs would definitely take him one. So I feel like Scoot is and is kind of where it gets interesting because people are starting to kind of say like, are you sure you should take him too if it doesn't fit and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like right now your position on that and the, the him and Brandon Miller kind of question is the most common question I see about the top of the draft now is like, is Scoot just a, there's no reason not to take him number two, you're crazy, or is it like a discussion? You know what I mean? Could, could we talk about Wemby for a second? Because, yeah, of course, of course. You know, we, we have a contributor, Matthew Phillips. He's, he's a little off grid at the moment, but he has just been vehement in being like, I don't feel comfortable taking a seven mm-hmm. five guy, period. I'm scared of Porzingis like injuries. And one of the things that I have been trying to read up on and trying to ask everybody about, and Brian Windhorst covered this pretty well in his piece, is it really seems like the medical side sounds wrong. The the kind of wellness industry sounds a little hokey too, but like it really feels like there's a team around him that is dedicated to making sure that his body is taken care of like LeBron James takes care of himself now. And it's kind of hard to understate that. I I read something about how his team expects him to get a certain number of hours of sleep per day, which tickles me to no end because like as an old man now, I also wish to have a certain number of hours of sleep per day and I can't do this. But (laughs) it, it for people who haven't watched him and let's just assume for the sake of argument, we have a lot of people that really haven't paid any attention to Wimby. Tell me about him from your perspective. I mean, it's KD who can be your main rim protector and everything that entails as far as far as just like the most interesting thing to me that about him is that he like flips the court's geometry by actually being like a real rim protector who can shoot to that level. So even if he didn't end up being like the primary creator to the extent, like let's say he doesn't reach some of his best outcomes and he's not the primary creator, like top five guy in the league, he still would be, it's like what AD does on defense with the best floor stretcher. Like even if he doesn't have this like primary creation outcome, it's still so impactful. So then you start putting in the fact that he is a pretty good passer and will only get better. And you do imagine he'll be a little bit more like Durant as far as, as creating his own shot and kind of running all the offense through him. And it just kind of becomes insane that someone can impact two ways that much and just kind of change the dimensions of the court by stretching it on offense and then erasing things on defense. I mean, like combining Rudy Gobert and Kevin Durant sounds insane, but that's, and I don't like to do too many comps like that, obviously, because they're sort of, um, you know, the full picture, but just if someone had never seen him and you're like, that's a chance for what his impact would be. It's literally that level of like erasing everything on defense and stretching infinite stretching on offense. And so, so for everybody that, you know, there's, a, I'm, I'm trying to find like the, the best quality picture and then I'm going to switch over to it. Um, there seven foot five is a real thing that that's, that's the first thing that I would like to get across to people that are sort of questionable about this. This is not a, like a fun filled, you know, okay, we're, we're, we're listing him at seven five because there's some, some like height inflation, which tends to happen with like college guys, but he is there's a picture of him and you can just google it i can't i'm not able to find like a good enough thing to where i would want to share it with the stream but if you google victor Wembanyama, rudy gobert there's a picture of him where he is a legitimate three and a half inches taller than rudy gobert and when he burst onto the scene four years ago as like this seven foot tall like 14 year old you assume okay defensive yada yada back to the basketball you assume like a lot of traditional center traits and what you sort of led with is the part that I, I, I'm curious if more people don't, you know, we've seen like the the fact that he shot the step back three and then ran in for his own tip dunk. Um, he's basically the kind of player body wise that if it, you can't create him on a video game, that's, that's basically what, you know, cause like Yao Ming, like were you, were you around when Yao Ming yeah. came in the league? So like Yao Ming was like incredibly weak and the, the Rockets really built up his strength, but he was still a traditional back to the back, uh, back to the basket center. This guy is a stretch five. And if the Mavericks were to luck into the number one player, I've seen a lot of fans being like, well, the Mavericks should trade him. Absolutely. No, he's not. perfect. He's perfect for Luca. Like absolutely. I mean, and he's Luca's perfect, perfect for him. Yeah. 
that's the real rub because one of the things I'm really curious about with him is if he goes to a team that doesn't have great guards, because frankly, a lot of guards don't know how to get the ball to bigs, even if he's perimeter oriented, he would be incredible. That would be like, to me, like I've been kind of dark about this Mavericks off season. You don't go from bat. Like you go from being like a, like a contender, like a championship contender almost immediately, in my opinion, based just on those two alone, you know, Luca and Weminyama. But like you said earlier, we probably shouldn't talk about it too much because 3% chance, et cetera. So then you pivoted to – you talked briefly about Scoot Henderson, who – now I'm going to th- – I'm going to let you talk about Scoot. I want to go find that picture of Scoot Henderson where he looks like late-stage Baron Davis. He's just completely jacked, yeah. Scoot, I think, is interesting because I think people's first thought would be either we would trade him, trade a number two pick, or we take Brandon Miller and kind of thinking about, like, we already have Hardy – if we re-sign Kyrie, all of this thought process. Mm-hmm. But I personally actually think Scoot, I would take him number one Ooh. over – no, not over Wimby, but in the past few drafts, going back to probably Zion. Like even like Cade and Paulo, I really believe in Scoot that much. The fact that he's a guard, I have the same thoughts other people have where like, you know, wings and guys with size have are usually the best players on championship teams. Mm-hmm. But – I just uh, scoots. I, I really am a believer in him. Like I think he's incredible. I think the biggest worry has been his shot, but he has a great mid-range shot, and he was shooting on a pro arc in the G League. Mm-hmm. And if you look at like John Morant and John Wall and all the guys that have come out, Russell Westbrook, who've been these super athletic point guards, they've shot a couple percent better on the college arc. I just don't really like. I don't see that as being quite as concerning when he has like the mid-range touch that he has, and mid-range mm-hmm. gets into that like Chris Paul get you into his pocket on the pick and roll. That's the thing is like, he is not just the Westbrookian whirling dervish. While he is that he is much more of a classical point guard Mm. besides the three point shot, but he is like very adept in the pick and roll. Every single like culture thing about him is, is glowing, which that stuff, you can kind of say that about all the guys at the top. Eventually it's like, how much does it really mean? But I just think people are hung up on that shooting being this thing that means he can only fit into some kind of context. And I I think he's a lot more intelligent as a basketball player than that. Okay. Well, and then you the, I, I have this picture pulled up. I, you know, we all saw Jaden Hardy. Jaden Hardy's an old player, older player. Like he's 21, I'm pretty sure at this point. Um, Scoot is is 18 in this photo. He's a man, he is a <laughs> middle linebacker. This is a like strength is probably one of the most underappreciated things in the NBA. And it's one of the hardest things that players have to develop when they first come into the league. Uh, You go look at it. It was really one of the things why people were so concerned about Kevin Durant. You Google Kevin Durant now versus Kevin Durant then. And he's just put on all this muscle. Scoot comes ready equipped. And then the thing that I really liked, there are these two games in Vegas earlier this year. I only watched uh, the first one. But Scoot, you can tell in his interviews is hyper competitive yeah. and wants to prove himself against Wembenyama. And you can't really underrate that to me, that sort of uh, you can't teach that. Like we've been talking about with Deandre Ayton for, for a little while now where it's just so clear that Ayton doesn't really want to compete. Sorry, just the truth. And with, with this guy, he wants to fight. And I'm really in it. If the Mavericks ended up at two, I think they would have to consider like who can they because like the Rockets need a point guard like they need Scoot Henderson. Obviously, you get two, three, or four. You'd probably have to consider what kind of trade package do you get. But I, I, I like man taking that dude at two or any of the other guys we're going to talk about at two, three, or four is really just intoxicating well, to me. Because- part of my thought process too about him in comparison to Miller because I do see the ways that Brandon Miller would like help the Mavericks immediately, mm-hmm. but I think. By the deadline, Scoot Henderson's value would be even higher if he's the player I think he is. And you kind of have to, if you're going to be scouting these guys, you kind of have to make your pick based on that, right? And if like yeah. they see that Scoot Henderson is that good, he's only going to get more valuable. And I was going to talk about this later, but I was just looking at last year's draft order and like the fact that Jalen Williams went 12th. And then by the deadline, he would have been like, you just get a star with him. You know what I mean? Regardless. And so I just think you have to kind of be thinking about that if there's all these moving pieces. And the Mavs probably, you know, they don't, they're not a completed team. So I think Scoot, his value would only go up. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, Amen, I don't think he would fit very well with the team. And you could say it's like an infusion of athleticism. We're going to trade him later. But I don't think you could really, like, show him off 
very mm-hmm. well. Like, but Scoot, I feel like just the, the tantalizing glimpses of him kind of maybe you trade Hardy and you have Scoot as that like six man off the bench guy. He's going to have insane value by the deadline. So like I've kind of been taking that to account too, where you can, we can talk about the draft and instead of talking about them trading the pick beforehand, kind of look at it like what, what is the, these guys values, you know, in the future and in the short term. Yeah. And, and the difference, I think, I think you should talk to us about Miller next, but before we compare the two, they're obviously very different players, but then there's about 18 months in age separating the two of them where Miller is going to be 21 by like the third week of the the regular season. And um, Scoot Henderson is 19 until February. And I've talked about this a lot on the pod. My opinion is that the key developmental age for most players is like 16 to 22. Which is to say, nothing bad about Miller. It's just, if you're getting Miller, he's kind of a ready-made guy who's probably closer to his ceiling. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the way I like to frame the Miller thing is like people have probably heard this kind of discussion if they listen to Mass Moneyball podcast about how important wings are, how important two-way wings are. This was kind of the Jabari versus Paulo argument was that if you're going to take the creator, but he's an inefficient creator who can't be one of the best players in the NBA, it's better to take the two-way wing. Mm-hmm. So it was like, would you rather have Golden State Andrew Wiggins or Carlos Boozer? It was like kind of a way people would frame that Jabari Paulo conversation. And I've always been, you know, equally like any good NBA intelligentsia thought of, thought that way about wings but i think sometimes it does get taken too far where the jabari paulo thing already looks like i have a lot of faith in jabari actually growing and becoming better but in general it looks like paulo is the easy number one and i think sometimes we go a little too far like in the other direction and i think that's kind of what the brandon miller scoop thing is is that you're just taking a guy with a lower ceiling chasing like the archetypal value if you're a good team it's like these teams aren't even for the mavericks it's a little different but if you're a bad team and you're like, we need the two-way wing. I just I, like you have to get a player who can be the best player on a championship team first. So that's where the Scoot Miller debate is with me. But I realize with the Mavericks, it's a little bit different because of like the urgency and the you know trying to win now. But right. But I don't see Miller. I mean, he could end up being as good as like Paul George or Jason Tatum. Like I'm not going to say those things aren't possible. I just don't see like that level of of wiggle and burst that it takes, but you can become such a good mid range shooter and be so crafty getting into it. That that's the thing. Like Brandon, Brandon Ingram is not just like constantly taking guys to the hole. You know what I mean? So I think it is kind of hard to tell what Miller, like how good he can be based off that. And he is a really good defender. And I actually like that. He's a good passer. Like he likes, he likes to pass. And in interviews, he said passing is his favorite part of his game. And I feel like, People just underrated it. I mean, because he gets compared to Jabari a lot, but Jabari was just definitely like not a good playmaker. But I think Brandon Miller, he everything he does on the court is very intentful. Like the way he plays defense, I think 
I said this in our write-up of him for Mavs Moneyball, but I find it very hard to imagine peak Brandon Miller as a guy. People are like, uh, he's just not a winner. You know, he's making mistakes in playoff games. And I just feel like he he's kind of good enough at all the little things. So I actually don't feel like I'm low on him. I just see this like creation ceiling that's obvious for the other guys that with mm. him, it's like it could happen, but you know. Okay. Well, so there, there's, so that's like three of the guys so far. With I, I think a lot of, of at least Mavs Moneyball commenters really like the Brandon Miller fit. Could you go into a little more of an explainer of why you think that might be the case? And you wrote about this, of course, and I'll link to it in the thing. But let's just assume that our listeners are not the same as our readers. Well, obviously, we need wings that can guard and shoot threes, and we know how that matches, how that like fits with Luca. So he really would be pretty hand in glove. And he's a uh, sorry, my dog. That's okay. He's being good. Oh, she just walked by. I didn't know if she was. Being no, that's a, yeah, you um, know, mine. Mine will come in here and probably bite cords, but I put her in her crate for once. <laughs> so forget this. There was one uh, at the end of the season, like during the like Spurs game, when my dog was like tearing apart a pillow, and I kept having to leave the stream. It was just top quality video. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Um. Yeah, it's just that that sort of classic three and D thing that fits with Luca. I mean, I think Miller would be able to do that pretty quickly and actually sort of like insulate him from some of his weaknesses early on because even if like as a Mavs fan, I think we want the offense to become more varied and for guys to be able to do things that aren't Luca or just Luca and Kyrie, like still even if Kyrie resigns, it's like we want the wings to be able to do stuff. And I think Miller would be able to but it would kind of insulate him from his like early flaws if he is just shooting and attacking a closeout instead of instead of it being like now this guy needs to attack um, just so like the offense has more options. Like I think the way it will be like Luca and Kyrie centric would make him pretty seamless offensively. And I think defensively, I think defensively, it's going to take him some time to be as impactful as maybe you'd want. If you're saying this guy's going to like immediately be a starter, but I think Brandon Miller will be a very good defender. He's just not that strong yet. Okay. So you're going to get like some weak side blocks and you're going to get times where his length pays dividends. But I just, I don't think he's going to come right out and be a stopper because those dudes almost never are like the Herb Jones defensive rookie of the year or defensive player of the year candidate as a rookie is like insanely uh, um, rare. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, that's and and that's of of note to to at least consider as we're you know pipe dreaming to get into the top four. Uh, well, now we've talked about three of like the top four picks. Who are the other guys that you think kind of round out that if the Mavericks were to get two, three, four, you think that they would consider or they they should consider? Like, let's just talk about those guys. One I've been thinking about a lot. Like I said, I I think it would be really hard for Amin to develop. Like he has no shot. I like him. I think he has a lot more potential than like a Ben Simmons because he's not he's not afraid. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there's like and people that have followed the Thompson twins talk about how they are like they watch film constantly. They're just like obsessive, perfect culture type guys. And I think if you told me Ben Simmons was that I would like be interested. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think and he's not exactly like Ben Simmons, but just to give an idea of like that kind of crazy athlete who can also pass who right. can't shoot. But I think it would be really hard for that kind of player to um, develop next to Luke and stuff. So the one I've been thinking about a lot, if we were to get to say the fourth pick is um, Cam Whitmore, as opposed to Brandon, to Brandon Miller, because really? yeah, because I mean, I, love it. I don't necessarily like the thing the Mavs need so much is defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're going to get the fourth pick, I think it might be just too high for Jairus Walker, Taylor Hendricks. Like, I don't know if, I, I mean, I guess I'm a best player available kind of guy. And like I said, it's hard whenever the team you want to you want to immediately help. But if we're not going to trade the pick, I feel like you can't reach. And Cam Whitmore is another one of those guys that by the deadline next year, people could be like, oh, how did this guy go sixth? Like he's a supreme athlete who can attack and shoot super strong, super wiggly, just kind of like a natural. And I think he... Kind of, he came back from injury in his college year in Villanova. They kind of brought him along slow, and he was like the sixth man. And I feel like I could just see that happening. I don't like, I have him pretty high. I would kind of have him right there next to Brandon Miller as far as I see them, but I think his ceiling's higher. And I don't know how much he would help the Mavs immediately. Like, I don't know if he's ready to have a winning impact as a rookie. I would say he probably doesn't. But you know how Shaden Sharp would have those dunks where it's not just like, 
Gerald Green wide open fast break dunk that shows athleticism, but it's like there was no play there. And then all of a sudden there was a dunk, like half court setting. This shouldn't have happened. And just like the closing speed and the physicality just comes out of nowhere. Like, well, and I, we're like, as Mavs fans, I think we are so starved for something like know. that. We don't yeah. know it exists. Yeah. Nobody yeah. fucking does that. Like the last yeah. person that did that was Vince Carter in like 2014. Yeah. Yeah. And so the worry with him is that um, kind of people have talked about Miles Bridges and Jalen Brown as sort of like the player archetype. And he is, he was like a really bad passer as far as just like his assist percentage and assist to turnovers. And they're all those kind of question marks about what kind of star he could be as far as like eventually leading a team. But he is, I want to say six, 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 seven built like a truck kind of has that Jimmy Butler build. So he has a lot of defensive potential. He hasn't really met that either. And I think it might take him a while but the kind of passing and IQ stuff is the biggest concern because I think the defense, it would be hard for him to be bad by the time he's 28. I mean, he's just is an athletic freak. He was a lot like if you were to watch film of him and you watch the international stuff and like the pre right before college stuff, you'd be like, oh, my God, this guy's the number one pick. Like He's going to be a superstar. And in college, coming back from injury, it just didn't look as seamless. And he would have these flashes, but then he would have like a two of ten game kind of taking dumb shots. And those are the kind of guys that. I don't know. I mean, just when you see the ceiling, it's, it's like, I think it'll be crazy if he goes falls to like eighth. I've seen that happen in mocks. Yeah. And I just think it would be a little crazy. Uh, I think there's, I mean, we can't really, it, there's too many like Dr. Strange, 14 million scenario type things, because depending on how the lottery goes, I think there could be a fair amount of movement within that yeah. top 10. So I, I, it, that's where like the mock stuff just kind of is like, uh, well, yeah. And then there's not, so is there, you wrote, you wrote in the Saar Thompson profile that really yeah. turned me into him because I've always been more of an Amin guy because of the one of one kind of athleticism that Amin Thompson has. But Asar, the way you describe his game, and I'm not as familiar with it as I am Amin because I just like watching his, his dunks and his crazy layups. But Amin Thompson seems kind of like the just gives me like is, is Sean, Sean Marion vibes. Is that with some passing? Like, is yeah, that? That's I would I would say Amen is like, can you imagine if Sean Marion was basically able to be a full time point guard, and then you start getting into like LeBron Light places? Okay, but yeah. Sar has that kind of similar Sean Marion rangy defensive ability, but he is a really good passer. That's why people actually more commonly talk about Igudala because like you can mm-hmm. imagine him doing some secondary playmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, he also struggles with his shot, but he's a little bit further along than Amen. Um, to me, like it's a lot clearer that his his uh, stroke is more has come along further, but he's still it's still going to be a development for him to be like a spacer. So that's why yeah. his his fit with the Mavs is a little tricky. But just well, having having a guy who's like an elite secondary creator passer who's also an awesome defender at the wing. It's just like we talk about Josh Green doing those things. It's like what if the guy was six seven, one of the best athletes in the world? Mm. And the thing is, Osar doesn't really have like the mid-range kind of floater game, and he's not as athletic as a men to just live in the lane and get to the hoop. So mm-hmm. I think there is kind of a worry about, like, his offensive ceiling um, eventually. But I don't know. I mean, he's still insanely athletic. You know what I mean? And I do, and that's, like, what's so appealing to me. And it's funny. Improving a player's shot is probably one of the hardest things you can do outside of improving a player's vision. Because I think mm-hmm. vision is kind of inherent. You either have it or you don't. But the shot stuff, I'm highly critical of everything the Mavericks do. But going back to like 2016, Dorian Finney-Smith couldn't hit anything. Yeah. Maxi Kleber couldn't hit anything. Josh Green couldn't hit anything. And all three of those guys became dependable or reliable shooters, depending on how you want to phrase it. And so you pair that with, with these guys' kind of intangibles and athleticism. I would love to take the gamble. I just It seems like a low... Um, low chance thing because the Mavericks don't have that kind of time. Yeah, exactly. And I, he could, his defense and stuff could be impactful in the short term still because they're a little bit older too. I think they're closer to Miller's age. They just have so much athleticism that mm-hmm. people aren't like that scared off by that because they're right. like as athletes and they haven't, they've been developing in this sort of, this you know, overtime elite. People might know about it's kind of just like a offshoot league. So, yeah. but yeah, I agree. I mean, it was, I more wanted to write about him because I'd seen him fall to 10 in a mock. And I was like, if that happened, like we would have to think about it. And if, if let's say we couldn't trade the pick and you're just there forced to take the pick, like I think you would have to t- think about taking him. 
because if, if the shot develops pretty quickly, he's such a hard worker. I think you could play him at the four some and just like there are times he would be just as impact. It's so rare for rookies to help anyways that like we have no guarantee that a Jarris Walker will be as good as a sorry right. off the jump. No, you're right. You're right. And that's why I get too excited about this stuff, but I can't help it. I just, it's so fun when you watch them. Is there, is there anyone else that would be kind of pie in the sky that you want to hit on before we kind of skip back to the, to the, you know, three to four guys that are going to be available in the 10 range? I think we covered as far as if we got a top four pick, I don't really think anyone else could go. Like I would be shocked if even though Taylor Hendricks is flying up boards and then Mm -hmm. we'll talk about him now. Like, I would think someone would trade back. I don't think anyone would reach all the way to four. Cause, like I said, all those other guys have like real creation upside. Yeah. So it's, it's just kind of that's always like a teardrop off of, you know, where that creation upside starts and stops. Right. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So now we're just going to go with the assumption from here on out that the Mavericks stay at 10. We're also assuming they're going to use the pick. Uh, you have written a number of profiles for us at Mavs Moneyball. We're going to have a couple more uh, coming. Uh, you know, we only got five days until the thing. So I've been trying to have us sort of space out the content where we have enough stuff every day, but we also don't really go overshoot it to where we have to like write the same thing again in a month. Um, who, who would you like to kind of chat about next? This is a surprise guys, because I, uh, didn't communicate enough with Logan beforehand. <laughs> um, I think the Hendrix Jarris Walker question is like, I think those are the two guys that I've seen the most fan engagement with like, Oh my God, we have the 10th pick and there's two dudes who could like really help fix our problems quickly. And are these things we haven't really had. And, and they're sort of similar players. And that I feel like they kind of have a low offensive floor. Like it wouldn't shock me at all if they're true role players on offense throughout their career, but they also have so much other or with Jarris Walker. He has so much other stuff that he's good at that. He could be like a star role player with Hendricks. I feel like it's that the things he's good at, He's already like really, really good at, and they're really important. And he could be 6'10", secondary rim protector, Dorian Finney-Smith by like next year. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but but that's the appeal is it's like this guy's kind of what we always talk about every team needing. He shoots threes, but he happens to be 6'10", and can already help protect the rim and maybe eventually be a small ball center. Whereas Jairus Walker, I was higher on him coming out of high school because in high school he just looks so dominant. And once you see him in college – Houston didn't really use him that much on offense. Uh, and he just kind of, you could see where there was kind of a low offensive floor, but I thought coming out of high school, I told people he's Julius Randall with Draymond Green's soul. And I was like, that was like my favorite player. Like I loved him so much as a prospect and I have to be kind of realistic about him now, but just to be that like fully grown of a man and to be very intelligent offensively, like that's my favorite kind of prospect is the, the built like a built like the thing from fantastic four, but with, some like supercomputer in your brain. And, um, but I could see how Jarris, I could see how it wouldn't work out offensively if he doesn't shoot well also, you know, because right. he, he's kind of small to play center, which I know I'm talking about both guys at the same time. So, no, it's fine. I, 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 it, it seems our, our chat is very skeptical that either makes it to 10. And that's where I, I yeah. just, I can't tell you guys how many, like, let's look at Luka Doncic falling to three as an example. I can't tell you how many times over the years we have watched NBA teams do the obvious wrong thing with a given pick. So I think it's fun to sort of talk about this because you just, you don't know what guys talk themselves out of. I mean, we watched the Kings and the Suns talk themselves out of Luka because he went to Hard Rock Cafe and ordered a bunch of food with Mina Kimes. Like, I'm very convinced that's why those, like, there was like a fat Luca narrative and that he didn't have a left hand. And it's like, it was, it was stupid at the time. So it's like, when you get past the top five and you're into kind of the, you know, I, the way I always think about the draft is I think about it one through three, then I think about it four through 20, then 20 through 40. Because all of a sudden you get in these tiered zones where teams, frankly, just start to lose their minds. Yeah. Because it's like, I remember when Paul George was drafted, it was like, wait, that guy made it to there? And he was an incredible college prospect. He just played at Fresno State. So nobody really wanted to, like, oh, well, he didn't play against good competition. And it's like, okay, calm down. So I'm, I'm more than willing to talk about these guys. I will say the Taylor Hendricks one is fun because... Josh Bow very rarely latches on to people. Our my our our, our uh, my my co-host and and uh, writer over at Mass Moneyball co-editor, 
he has he latched on to Hendricks early in the process, and he was like, "This guy, there's just no way this guy's going to be here. I'm falling in love, and there's no way he's going to be there." And he did this with Bain too, where he was like losing his mind that the Mavericks had no interest in Bain. And then look, you know, way hey, a year and a half into well, Bain's career, if he did it early enough with Hendricks, he might have been mocked at like 18 and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he's been the biggest riser, mm-hmm. and it makes sense because he's such a good shooter to be as long as he is and to be that mobile defensively. He's just like the perfect playoff defender. And he's the kind of guy that they could, someone could take sixth and he scores 12 points a game for the rest of his career. And it's never talked about as a bad pick. Like that's how that's, he's just that going to be that kind of role player. And when you're that big, you kind of have some room to develop anyways. Like he has a really high release point. If you get him enough shots, if he can maybe get into a mid-range pull-up, like I don't think he's ever going to pressure the rim. Right. But when you start – once they kind of learn that mid-range pull-up, the mid-range is always where those guys can – I mean, you can't compare people to Kawhi, but that's what happened. Kawhi yep. figured out the mid-range pull-up. And, you know, that kind of just – it's always a development path that means they can be better than expected. That's right. That's right. So Walker seems like – I've not watched enough of Walker, but I like everything Kelvin Sampson related my entire life. Those guys are just particular. They're bad men in the best <laughs> ways. And, and the Mavericks could use a bad man. Yeah. Um, they don't have anybody and haven't for quite some time that mixes it up with sheer physicality. And I, I hear you about the undersized center thing, but I just, Man, if they were to end up with either one of these dudes, I would be out of my mind. Happy. I know. And they're they're the two guys that the most resemble a thing that we have wanted for years. You know what I mean? Like like you're saying, whether it's that grown men's strength or whether it's a like more athletic version of Maxi. It's just like we've watched Maxi be this thing that's been really important to the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. And we see that like, oh, this archetype makes sense. Like it's making it look like he's outplaying DeAndre Ayton and Rudy Gobert because he's this certain archetype. So what happens when that guy is a freak athlete or at least a very athletic 22 year old and not a, you know, it's, so I think that's what makes them so interesting is how much we kind of have a proof of concept of like how quickly they could help. And I will say as far as, I don't think either guy will get to 10, but it it only takes one is the other thing. You know what I mean? So. I mean, that's where like the, 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 the concept of they are going to trade it sort of, offends me is not the right word but like frustrates me because you don't know what's gonna be there yeah um friend friend of me of the show matt moore always says this where he's like i've seen teams going to draft night with the intent of doing something and then they end up with a player they didn't really want well what if you ended up with a player that you did want yeah like, and you what, didn't expect to get yeah yeah like that was the issue with with bain in 20 in 2018 19 whatever 2020 whatever the hell it was where just like they didn't consider the guy so it's like ah oh, come on but you know it's ah, this just feels like um you know when you look at next year's draft ahead a little bit until like uh, when carlos boozer's kid gets into the league it just feels and then there's that crazy guy up in Maine. Have you seen him? Cooper uh, Cooper Flag. Cooper Flag. Oh my <laughs> he's god. He's someone was like he's Larry Bird, and I was like, no, he's Jimmy Chitwood from from Hoosiers. He's, <laughs> he's Jimmy Chitwood with like Jimmy Butler's competitive. Yeah, he's he's wild. He is a wild boy. Everybody, Google Cooper Flag. This guy is like the the next great. Like we've been looking. Not no, we haven't been looking. Like you can tell, like uh, American media latches on to like the next great white American player, which is how you get so much fucking Austin Reeves hype. Yeah. Cooper, Cooper Flag is it. Yeah. Um. And and anyway, it's such that, a it's the perfect name for that oh, like yeah. great white Cooper Flag with two from G's. Maine. It's, it's Maine. Who the hell is yeah. from Maine? <laughs> God. Um. Like it's it, is there is who else? So who else would you kind of be excited think- about at ten? Kaysen Wallace, I have like zero doubt is going to be good. It's just like a good role player. I think the issue with people is we're so like perimeter heavy right now and he's a guard, Mm -hmm. but he does have that Drew Marcus Smart body type where he can play a lot at the two. And I just kind of think he's going to actually be impactful as a rookie. Like none of these other guys, people overrate how quickly rookies can impact winning. Always. And, and even the ones that you see that are really good, really athletic, it's like you look at the box score stuff and the advanced stats, it always points to that. I can actually see Kaysom Wallace because he's a good defender who can shoot off the catch, which obviously would fit perfectly as a maverick. Um, so I think he could help quickly. It's just an issue of like, are you do you just have too many perimeter players to 
you know, are we, are we always going to have Luca at the four and create that problem that we already had where we don't have any like secondary rim protection and stuff. Yep. But yep. I think, I think that makes Wallace interesting. Um, Anthony black. I feel like one of these guys is where like, it starts to be like one of these guys should fall. So what would we do with that decision? You know what I mean? Right. Right. And here he played, let's see here. He, so he, Casey Wallace was right up the road from me. He went to, he went to Richardson high school, which is I think the high school my son is going to feed into. And then I have been, big on uh anthony black just because he went to where i went to high school in Coppell for three years before transferring to duncanville and i remember watching this guy as like a freshman and you know it's kind of surprising how quickly like narratives change around guys because anthony black was kind of an afterthought to nick um was it nick smith over nick in smith, Arkansas? Yeah. he was yeah. like kind of a tertiary recruit and by the end of the year he's the best he's the best player now he cannot shoot well, that's not fair. His shot is odd and needs yeah. some mechanical tweaking. But what I find so interesting about Black is that you could project so many different things on him. Yeah. And, you know, depending on his role, yeah, he's 6'7", but he's kind of more of a point guard. Well, I, I don't – if you're at 6'7", at that point, it's about who who can you defend. Can he right. – and, and this is kind of my question for you because I don't know the answer to this. Do you think at 6'7", he could eventually become a guy who could guard – your tier one, uh, like small forwards, which tend to dominate the league these days. Yeah, I guess that is a really good question about him because I think his defense is going to be awesome and he's going to be like a playmaker on defense. Like he's got okay. really good instincts. He's really good at creating fast breaks and just getting that big turnover and stuff. Um, and I'm going to say something. Else. Oh, I was going to say as far as um, Arkansas, he had terrible spacing. So while he can't shoot, very well the Arkansas spacing was like a special case of bad and so I, I am interested to see what he looks like with NBA spacing I think people could just be like oh my gosh this is he has way more burst and just ability to get in the lane than people expected but I don't know if he'll have that kind of I mean he is strong and he's tenacious for some reason just based off what I've seen I it seems like he would get kind of eaten up by the bigger ones like LeBron and stuff Right, but um, he's so skinny right now. But who at that point you're kind of questioning who doesn't get eaten up exactly, by LeBron. Exactly. And it's hard like Brandon Miller, you know, Jarris mm-hmm. Walker, you can say, okay, he's got like all that muscle on him already. But I feel like it's not really fair for him to be like, no, Anthony Black will never be that guy. But he he's just not extremely strong right now, which I say that on offense, he like loves contact and he gets the foul line a ton. But for some reason, yeah, I feel like that's just like I can't project the guy out to do that. Except with Walker and Hendricks, they're just actually massive. Like they're six nine, six ten. And then you can say, I feel like those guys that are six six and end up guarding the six eight, six nine guys, like you almost can't see that coming. It's just like they become so strong and so mentally good at what they do. You know what I mean? But yeah. I do think he's gonna be an excellent defender and and versatile because he's six seven. Mm-hmm. Um I have someone called him a six seven Derek White, and like that Ooh. sounds like an awesome player. You that know sounds I mean? like an awesome player. Yeah, yeah. And then the the Case and Walsh guy was somebody who I earnestly wasn't familiar with because I watched precisely zero Kentucky basketball this year. Um, and I also feel, and this is, I don't know if this is accurate this year, but I feel like it's accurate a lot of years. Guys aren't who they become when they're at Kentucky. Like no. there's, there's some people who you get very little flashes of anything. And I can't understand how how he keep, how a Calipari keeps getting these recruits when dudes just are different there. It's It's very confusing to me. Yeah, uh, he something I like about Casey Wallace is, you know how Drew Holiday can just win games with how long his arm is for a point guard. Like he'll just be like, "I'm going to steal that," mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it. Instead of winning with just an unstoppable offensive play, I will do something. Or he or he blocks a shot, or he gets the right rebound for a point guard. That's kind of how Casey Wallace. It, like he's very long and strong, and I've just seen him make rebounds that it's like. That was the rebound that both teams' big guy was supposed to get to seal the game, and he was like, no, I will be sealing this game with my own strength and athletic. Like, it's not even that crazy of an athlete, but it's that certain kind of strength and length at, like, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, that it's just really impactful. And, he, and he's, he's good off the shot. I don't know if the Kentucky guard thing correlates with him. I actually don't think it does. A lot of people are like, maybe he has more to him. I just don't think he has that kind of, like, burst. Like, Maxi had it. I just think he's kind of a different caliber, a different type of athlete, really, because he's a lot stronger. But the Kentucky thing does give me, make me pause and be like, am I wrong? Is he just going to like kind of 
going off pick and rolls, nail mid-range jumpers, and be like strong enough to get people on his hip. Like I can kind of see that all happening. He's just not extremely quick for a point guard. So what the the I'm trying to remember who wrote this profile for Mavs Moneyball, but the whoever wrote the the profile in Case and Wallace for Mavs Moneyball said that he his like upside case is a Drew Holiday like player, not Drew Holiday, yeah. but rangy combo guard that mixes shit up. Is that fair, or what? It, what? It, what do you? What did you think of that comp? I think it is because even though I kind of belittle his ceiling slightly, I don't think Drew Holiday's just bursting past people. Like he got there by craft. He got there because he's strong. He got there because he can hit mid range jumpers mm-hmm. and kind of self create them. And he's still pretty inefficient offensively, anyways. Like it wouldn't shock me if Casey Wallace had that kind of touch and that kind of strength combination and just added to his craft to get there. Just because I don't think Drew Holiday, it's not like his game is predicated on getting past people. So, yeah, I mean, a Drew Holiday light, I don't think is crazy at all. Um, But even, I mean, we've seen how impactful like Marcus Smart is. And so I don't think he has to be that big of a scorer for people to be like this, to be like a $20 million a year player. You know what I mean? And I think that's why Casey Wallace is interesting because getting somebody like that at 11 or 12 is just a victory. You know what I mean? Or or 10. But I, I think of him for some reason as like, you know, I guess I have him in my little personal thing at 11 or 12, but people will be like, Oh, you're not that high on him. And I'm like, no, I, I feel like I am. I know that he's going to be really good. I just kind of lean a little bit more towards ceiling when I do these rankings. And that's probably because I don't have an NBA job and won't get fired for, for feeling that way. But right. Well, and that's what's, you know, um, who's the guy, who's the guy that said Luca, he wouldn't take him in the first round. Uh, Rashad um, Phillips, that's the Yoda guy, right? Yoda, right. So <laughs> one of the things that I was very amused by several years ago was some woman, some media woman was like, Rashad Phillips in it invented online scouting. And it's like, no, like people, that's one of my favorite, actually like draft Twitter is like one of my favorite things about Twitter because you come across um, these incredibly in-depth profiles where people spend all this time dipping into stuff. Like if you want to learn about guys between YouTube and some of the websites that are in existence, you can really deep dive. Yeah. Now, of course, you got to kind of trust these people's uh, judgments. Like our um, our friend, he, he writes for the site occasionally, Mavs Draft, gets picked on to no end because he didn't think that the guy who is um, the Utah center who was drafted uh, out of Auburn Kessler, he he was like, Kessler's not an NBA player. Yeah. But it's like, you know, everybody has misses. Like I was, I was a Johnny to- Davis guy. So I don't, you know, so right. It's, it's like, I don't know like if, I'm, if I'm illegitimate because of it, but, but it's just so much fun to kind of talk about these guys because it's just, there's so much tape and we are getting higher quality tape. And they got, and now more and more often, these guys are playing against better competition year in and out. So you can actually do some interesting, you know, projections. That's what makes some of these guys harder than others with like the Thompson twins who played an overtime elite against kind of bad competition. So it's like, yeah. well, what a, whereas when you see Scoot and Victor Wimanyama playing two games against each other, it's like, okay, we're, we're good here. We've seen these two guys. I feel good. So that, that verdict about the G league seeming translatable on it being grown men. Mm-hmm. There is one guy I wanted to talk about because I saw him mock to the Mavericks and it kind of shocked me, but I know he is rising fast and that's Leonard Miller. Have you seen Ooh. any of Leonard Miller? I've not. Tell me about him. He plays on the G league team with Scoot. And a year ago, I was like, I don't think I would take this guy in the first round. He's so long and he can handle like he's a six ten face up guy. And I saw the potential, but he was just so squirmy and not coordinated and like long, but he was falling down all the time. And it just looked like he was going to break into the splits every time he tried to make a move kind of thing. And then sort of Christian Woodish. I'm not going to say that he's like going to be a bad defensive player like Wood, but just the way he's built and the way he can handle. And then I started watching him again this past season. And it's like game to game to game. His body grows into itself. And now he just lives around the rim and is super forceful and he's the 610 guy who can lead a fast break and it's just it. that great of a shooter yet he makes some defensive mistakes but like i think he is going to rise and i feel like okc at 12 just like makes so much sense for a guy like that but like chris weber meets marvin williams is the thing i joked about like some kind of midway point between those two things and like i'm just i'm enamored by him i want to watch him more because he's definitely flawed and i have a i have a bad habit of I see the flaws and other people are like, this is a problem. And I'm like, but look, he's 6'10", maybe 6'11". And you know what I mean? And he's leading a fast break, but he's an interesting player. And I think it 
he's not ready-made, and I know the Mavs might want a ready-made prospect, but he really is interesting, especially for the skill set and where we need help. Because even if we get a center or we get wings, I think eventually we want that guy who's like the playoff big type, like I've said, like the athletic young Maxi. And Leonard Miller, I don't, I don't know where his – I don't even know. He's developing so quickly and is such a like weird, interesting player who's kind of changing overnight that I could see him having a, a athletic Maxi kind of career. I could see him having an all-star career. I could see him being Anthony Randolph because that's how people felt about Anthony Randolph. Like, I'm really just sort of in the process of trying to figure out how I feel about it. But once I saw him mock to the Mavs, I was like, I want to talk about this guy because I never expected someone to mock him up there. You know, I think it was uh, USA Today. So, Well, this this has been more than I could have asked for um, because I told you it's going to be a half hour. We're closing in on, on 50 minutes. Um, we both ramble. I knew No, it. but this is, this is <laughs> number one, people love talking about this stuff. And number two, we might only have a very short window because there's a 20% chance we don't get to talk about any draft picks ever, uh, apparently ever again. Um, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, I was just actually looking at this little, I made like a list of the, all the draft draftable like first round guys and i was trying to figure out who the funniest person for the mass to take as a bad draft pick would be for them to, i was thinking trying to close off on how what will the maps mistake look like right. which i think i think grady dick is going to be good but just the idea of them getting an uh you know he's i think he's kind of underrated defensively like i don't think he's just a complete sieve but the idea or like nick smith jr like the maps just getting another Jaden hardy type would just like blow my What's mind that do right why do we need another guard that likes to shoot yeah, I don't know. So I guess yeah. that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, what will they do to make me mad? Yeah, but. of course. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal, guys. I need about 10 minutes, and then I'm going to hop back into our regular Friday afternoon live show, which I want you to participate in. So if you have not, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Go ahead and hit the notify me button, or just head on over and wait in the waiting room, and I'll be back in about 10 minutes. Guys, this has been Kirk Henderson and Logan Thompson. We each write at Mavs Moneyball. Logan writes uh, when when he when I do berate him into sitting down and writing something. He writes these beautiful twelve hundred word pieces. The Osar Thompson one will sell you on him. I promise. Go look for it over at the site. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, everyone and uh, you guys got us over to a thousand subscribers today which is apparently a big deal um now i can figure out what the next steps i need to take are so we'll be back here in a few minutes uh be sure to head over to the mat or just basically you know stay on the uh, youtube page here and we'll be back shortly thanks everybody who was listening uh the podcast listeners i'm not sure when i'm gonna run this one so i'm gonna have two podcasts to run in a row everybody have a good day talk soon Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.